So girls, if we do our work, we can be something so different than what we were. Yes. However, if we don't do our work, we get what we get. Yes. <laughs> it's that simple. Okay, um, my job is to tell you um, what it can look like. Because of course, um, my sexuality, like every part of who I am, has had to be completely revamped by God and his purposes and his plans. So I can give you the before, and then I can give you the after. And in the process, I've had a lot of years because uh, my before in my story is gonna be telling you who I was before I read the six books and was learning what God was calling me to be in those six books. Um, back at that time, I controlled my husband sexually by having sex with him only on Saturday nights. That was it. But I always did have sex with him on Saturday night. But, and it was very interesting where we're at in our 20s and our 30s. Um, we don't really know a whole lot. We, you know, with all the emphasis on sex that there is today, how much emphasis is there on learning how to love well? It's all about me, 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 right? And that was what it was for me too. As a matter of fact, if you turn a few pages into your workbook or your handouts, you're going to come to a page called Sexual Avoidant, Avoidance Tactics. Now, I made this list up, and it took me five minutes. <laughs> now, this was back um, before I learned to be who God was calling me to be. So, you can look at some of the things that are stated on that page. Wait until he's asleep to come to bed. Make sure you're asleep before he gets to bed or fake it. Read a book, watch TV until he goes to sleep. Wear plenty to bed. Never, never change in front of him. Always in the closet because he might get ideas. Um, have a million excuses. Uh, oh, let the kids have free access to your bedroom. That actually was never a problem for me because my husband worked long, late hours. And so sex for us was always really late. And we never had ever in all our years had to worry about whether the kids would come in. Um, we can use all kinds of verbal excuses, but my favorite was clinging to the side of my bed. Careful not to touch any body parts, such, as, such touching as could possibly be interpreted as agreement or aggression. And have your period a lot. Agree with a sigh, act annoyed, put out, appear short on time. I don't know if any of you girls have ever practiced any of those things, but that was who I was. And I didn't even think anything of it. Never gave it a thought. Um, on the next page, there's two pages on why I don't want sex. I might be angry at him for something. I might feel used or hurt. It's just getting boring. I'm just tired of sex. He's not very good at sex. It's messy. Uh, 
or it could be something legitimate like it's painful, which means you need to see your gynecologist because most of the time that can be easily remedied with uh, creams and hormones, or past harm, sexual abuse, once again, that's the sort of thing that you want to get counseling for so that you can work through it. Or a sinful past. Even if you had a sinful past, which I had, I was not a believer until after I got married to Ed. And so I did whatever I wanted in my 20s. And um, that is the sort of thing that God can completely heal as we take it to him. And then there's the reason he wants it all the time, which we're going to get into in a little bit. Um, one of the things I noticed about this page was that almost, almost every one of the reasons started with the word I. I don't like. I don't want. It's about me, 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 me. Oh, well. When we're talking about why we don't want sex, we can go to those places. But when we're done our conversation today, we're going to be looking at things from a very different place. So then I read the six books on marriage. And by the way, they were far from complete. But they were quite what I needed up to that moment in time. And I realized that before my Lord, I had no business turning Ed down. Now, Ed knew better than to even ask for sex other than on Saturday night. <laughs> we trained them well. And, and so he would never even ask for it. But I came to realize that my job was to be willing to have sex whenever he might like to have it. And so I was too shy to say, you know what, Ed, whenever you want sex, I will do it. But I made a commitment before the Lord that I would be willing. And also, I was doing all the other loving your husband behaviors, right, that we've been learning. And that definitely softens us up so that my husband found a way to, we were non-communicative, but we were communicating. We had been, um, this one October, we went down to Jamaica, and we were uh, on this scuba, not scuba, snorkeling cruise on a catamaran, and at the end of the whole event, the, um, the Jamaicans would take all the women on the cruise and sit them down and give them a foot massage with cheap hand cream. And we died and went to heaven. Well, our husbands are standing over here watching this. And before I knew it, on a Wednesday night, notice, middle of the week, <laughs> my husband would climb into bed, go to the foot of the bed with the Jurgens, and he would give me a foot massage. Now, girls, I would not give a foot massage to anyone for any reason. I am not drawn to feet. <laughs> Baby's okay. My little one's okay, but that's about it. And he was doing that. Now, you know that when he finished that, his wish was my command. <laughs> and so, well, lo and behold, 
poor, poor Ed, after all those years, we had been married for, what, 11 years, 12 years, he had had to be content with once a week when his appetite was for twice a week. And that was how we changed. Um, you know, at one point, he gave me this beautiful pale pink teddy with beige lace around it. Well, I had such a horrible body image as I'll bet I'm not the only person in the room who does not particularly love the way I look naked, personally. And there's nothing wrong with me. I don't know why. I think Satan wants us to think that. We have the worst bodies in the whole world. And he gave me that teddy. I never put it on, ever. Is that terrible or what? Well, it is now when I look back, but I didn't have a clue. I was completely missing it. And I was totally ignorant about sex. I mean, we got it done and we were successful, but that's about all you could say about our sexual experience. And thank goodness we were young and had plenty of uh, hormones so that things obviously happened and we had a couple of kids. <laughs> but that was the extent of what I had learned about loving my husband sexually. And then he died. So then I had the next 13 years and I was a widow and sex was essentially a non-event. And I started to learn stuff. You know, either I was learning stuff in graduate school, in the marriage and family class, or most of those, no, until I met Stan. Let's say the, the last six years when I was lay counseling at my church, we uh, were trained under our counseling pastor, Ed Laramore. And so we would have monthly training sessions on counseling. Well, doggone it, over the years, he gave me some amazing nuggets that I'm gonna tell you girls about too, because to me, they're absolutely shocking. And I would have never known it. But when it came from Ed Laramore's mouth, my counseling pastor, I had to make a decision to choose to believe him, which I did. Because I think that there, when it comes to the realm of sex, we can have a really hard time believing things that are different than what we're used to thinking. And here are some of the things that, that he was teaching us. And I had to choose to believe it. He told us that his wife, who I was very familiar with, she, had a, she was not a very attractive woman, and she had a very unattractive body. She was on the overweight side. Now, she was chesty, that's a good thing, but at any rate, what did, what did Ed say? He said, you women have no idea. He said, what pleases me more than anything else sexually is if my wife were to show up at the bedroom door and I'm in bed 
and she has nothing on but a pair of high heels. And then he went on to say, you women have no idea how much we love your bodies. And I thought of Nixie, his wife, and my wheels are spinning. And I said, really? And it was the first time that I said, I don't believe this, but I have got to choose to believe this because I'm sure he's right. And I've had other women tell me, their husbands, and I know their husbands, women who are, who are in her husband, their husbands are on staff at the church. And the women are normal women like us. And the women say, you know, Bob will tell me I'm five pounds overweight from Christmas, and he will tell me that I have the most beautiful body. She said, can you believe it? And I sat there and thought, there it goes again. Men are saying these things. Crazy. And another thing that one of my gals who took this study told us, and she was so serious about everything that she learned, she told us about this because she came back to the class a second time. And when we came to the sex chapter, she could tell us what happened the last time. And she was a gal that was a little chubby. And she decided, I never gave her this idea. She decided that she was going to uh, buy lobsters, two lobsters, right? And she was going to get the water boiling for it. The kids would not be home. And she was going to light candles that would go all the way up to their bedroom. And she had flower petals on her bed. And when her husband walked in the door from work, here she was with nothing on and the two lobsters, which they both obviously loved lobster. And this was back in New Jersey where you could easily get lobster. Okay. And her husband's eyes jumped out and they boiled the lobster. They had the lobster and then they had a wonderful evening. The next morning, Probably not. I, and girls, the, this gal, this girl, by her own description, always had a problem because she was quite slender when she was younger, and she was probably 50-ish, and she was very plump. And her husband had never caught up with her. He was still slender. And so this was always, you can imagine, a body image issue for her. We all understand that, right? So the best part of the story was the next morning. Her husband was, of course she had clothes on at this point, probably a robe, and he was pulling out of the driveway and he stopped, he got out of the car and he ran up to her and he gave her this big kiss and he had this Cheshire cat grin on his face <laughs> as he went off to work. We don't begin to realize what goes on inside of our husbands when it comes to the issue of sex. We don't begin to believe. As a matter of fact, after all these things that I learned, I decided that I needed to take a Queen Latifah approach to sex. Now, do we still all know who Queen Latifah is? Okay, great. And she's really leaned out a bit, and she's had a lot of reductions and things, but she's still on the Zoftig side. 
And Queen Latifah, everything about her is in her bravado, right? And I had to say to Candy, when I married Stan, my job is to be Queen Latifah sexually to Stan. It's the last person in the world that I am. But when I'm with Stan, my job is to be Queen Latifah, have her bravado, go around being <coughs> cool with my husband, with or without clothes on, when it's time to make love. And I needed to think of Queen Latifah to try to think my way into being someone very different than what I naturally am for my husband's sake. It wasn't until years later that I did uh, a study with um, Gary Thomas, and he calls it sacred romance. Now, I'm going to be giving you a list, and they're in our, um, our, our website of great books for you to read. This is not one of them. But the only reason I say that is because if I were, maybe I'll put it up here for you, but I would put it at the very bottom because it's like sex 201. And he starts out by saying, is it possible that God is calling us not to be happy, but to be holy? And he's talking about our sex life. Okay, so this was, I've re I read the book at the bottom of all the rest of them, and it's incredible because it's t calling us to uh, selflessly look out for what my husband needs sexually. And you're going to be seeing books like Sheet Music, which are perfect. They teach you everything you ever could have wanted to know about how to do sex well. And it's written by Dr. Kevin Lehman, and he's a Christian psychologist, and he's very funny, which is nice. It helps to have a little humor there. But this one is very, very serious. And it really spoke deeply into my heart and mind because in God's economy, the sex act is the holiest thing we could ever do. Now, when we use the word holy, probably you get a little skeeved out at the thought of me being holy because we know what dirty legs we are. But in God's economy, when I am having the sex act, making love with my husband, what pleases God and takes me to a place of holiness more than anything else is when the only thing I'm concerned about is what does Stan need from me when we make love tonight. Which, by the way, I have learned that that is my job to pray that every time I know that we're going to make love. And in our case, I mean, I'm 70, almost three, Stan 75, but our temperaments do best when we plan ahead. And so when I tell Stan, I say to him, Stan, I'm looking, because we look to consider what our husband needs and we know what our husband needs, and we know how often he needs it. It could be anywhere from 24 to 72 hours is the norm. At our point, we can probably manage once a week. 
At any rate, I think to myself, Stan hasn't, it's getting toward the deadline when he needs to have sex because his body has this tremendous need for sex and they all do. And if they don't, then they have low T and you better get it checked because it's not good for your brain or your heart, let alone your sex life. And your husbands become candy eaters and they sit on the TV and watch TV and that's all they do because that's what low T gives men. And it's totally fixable, but that's its own issue. So I'm considering what does Stan need? Well, today is Tuesday. By tomorrow night, today, tonight, I will say something to Stan or tomorrow morning. Well, would you like to party tomorrow, <laughs> tonight, tomorrow night, whichever night we're time we're talking about. That's our term. You find your own term that you both will definitely know what it means. And then my husband is always ready, of course, and he says, oh, I'll look, and he says, I'll be looking forward to it all day tomorrow. And I guess he will. <laughs> I'm sure he will. When he says he will, and he's anticipating, and I, I have no idea what he's going through his head, because what am I doing? Because we women are responders sexually, and our husbands with their testosterone are initiators. And so we will, unless you have needs to have your hormones straightened out, we will respond to our husbands and get there. But in the meantime, what am I praying tomorrow? Oh Lord, help me to get into it for Stan tonight. Help me to be what Stan needs tonight. And I pray that every single time because with the Holy Spirit's help, look out. Now, what about Stan? In God's economy, what makes our sexual union holy, the holiest thing in God's economy, is that God's calling Stan to want to please me, to be agape love, looking out for what Candy needs sexually. Do you see why we can say the word holy? Because each of us have the job of selflessly having one goal, which is not Candy getting pleased here. Candy being there for Stan. Stan being there for Candy. And in God's economy, because he's always watching my motives and Stan's motives, he considers this so holy because both of us are selflessly looking out for the best interest of other. By the way, the very first lesson I had in graduate school for marriage and family, you remember what Kevin Huggins told us. He said, here you are in a marriage, two selfish, self-centered people, and the only way that I'm going to meet the deepest needs of your heart is when you selflessly look out for the best interest of other. That was the lesson he gave us. And here we are on our last lesson talking about what is ultimate greatness in God's mind in our marriage is when we have sex because we're both, or all you can be responsible for is you, right? We're Lord willing, both. And that takes me to, let me give you a little thought here. If you'll turn to your next page in your uh, handouts, that takes me to the spiral. 
the love spiral. Now, if you will go to the right side, let's go there first, which is the downward spiral. Now, we've talked about upward and downward spirals in the past, but this one has to do with sex. And look at how it goes. She turns him down, so he feels rejected and needy. And we don't even begin to realize how much, by the way, girls. So he retaliates by withholding affection and attention. So she feels unloved and empty. So when he approaches again, she feels used. So she retaliates by refusing. So he feels frustrated and cheated. So he gets angry and cold. So she feels justified in not wanting to make love. So she lets him know he's unwanted. So his advances become infrequent, too unemotional or clumsy. And you may continue that downward spiral from there. Now, let's go to the left-hand column and look what the upward spiral looks like. And this is with all of the weapons of our 10 lessons in action, okay? She welcomes his advances, so he feels loved and satisfied. So he wants to do what will make her feel most loved. So he treats her like a queen. So she feels cherished. So she feels loving toward him. So she invites him to play. So he feels desirable and special. So he lavishes affection and attention on her. So she feels secure and happy. So she welcomes his advances. Isn't that beautiful? We have the power girls. Now, practically everyone in here may not have this whole thing going on in your sex world, in your loving your husband world. And I want you to remember that your husbands are used to hearing in their mind old tapes, which are the old ways that I used to behave. And it can take quite a while before he will get used to hearing, I mean, really hearing the new tapes. And your job is to be patient if he doesn't get stuff right away. In one of those six books that I read, there was this one couple where the wife was telling us that she had been practicing the 10 lessons for 11 months before her husband ever noticed. Now, I was so grateful to read that because it told me where to place my expectation level, way low. Now, as it turned out, Ed responded amazingly to my 10 steps. He was very, very quick to catch on and to respond and for our spiral, as you can tell, to change. But I had so much even still that I had to learn. You know, uh, my jogging partner, you learn stuff from all kinds of people. My jogging partner mentioned to me that her husband, who was a pastor, and he was the funnest, most pleasant, easygoing, 
kind guy you ever want to meet. And she said, well, when my Jeff has gone too long without sex, which by the way is her fault, right? It's our fault. This is how she described him. No, this is how she described what he told her he was experiencing. He said, I just want to punch somebody in the nose. He says, I'm just so grouchy and irritable and I'm so easily angered when I've gone too long without sex. I took note of that. I remember this stuff because it's like, oh man, straight from the horse's mouth. And when you look at somebody who's as near to perfect as Jeff Bowen was, wow, I guess this is really serious stuff, right? Now, relaxation and intimacy are two of the really significant things that come out of sex. As a matter of fact, my friend Denise, I'm not sure if it shows up anywhere in here, she tells the story of um, her third husband who um, had a daughter, because of course they had other children, and had a daughter who came to the house and tearfully told her dad that she was pregnant and going to quit high school and what a mess, you can imagine. Well, when she finally left, her husband wanted to make love. And she said, I will never forget the comfort that he got at such a hard and difficult time from having made love at that time having gone straight from the mess, that was a tremendous comfort for him. Do you think it was a comfort for my friend Denise? No. Once again, there are things that men need that we need to pay attention to. And that 24 to 72 hour time cycle of when their desire starts to peak, and we're the only one that can satisfy it. And, you know, when you're starving and you've gone a long time, like personally, I am working on keeping my blood sugar down and three days a week I fast until dinner time. Well, by dinner time, I'm pretty hungry, but I can eat. Can your husband eat with the appetites that he has? And, you know, it's, I don't envy anyone here who might happen to have a husband who needs sex every day. I remember one gal, and once again you get the most amazing stories. This gal looked like the perfect Christian lady. And her husband was a great guy, and she told me, my husband has to have sex every night. He just needs it. And she just accommodates it. I know another cute little gal who used to live here and be a part of our church and she's moved away and they informed me, wow, every night, he's got to have it every night. He needs it. It's a tremendous release for him and it takes his insecurities and puts them to bed in a proper way. Do our husbands have insecurities? Probably a million times more than we realize. And boy, if there's one thing that fixes an insecurity quicker than anything I know, it's to desire your husband and make love with him. And we can think of a hundred reasons why we'd rather not, 
But once again, it's me, 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 me. And we know what we need to do with me, me, me in God's economy. It's the most unimportant thing in the whole world. And what I find is when I choose to only focus on what Stan needs, I'm fine. I might be tired. I might have no desire to have sex tonight, personally. But I don't spend time focusing on it. And it's amazing what happens with what you choose not to focus on. It goes away. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's all what I choose to focus on at any given moment in time. Um, when your husband travels, you want to make sure that you make love before he travels, if at all possible, so that you can protect him against pornography. Because his hotel room, you know, it's just sitting there waiting for him. And it helps tremendously if they've been capped off before they left. And when they come home after a trip, same difference. They're going to come home and they're going to have a lot of need. And we want to be considerate of that. Um, let's see. Let me put on the board for you what those reads are. Now, you're going to find all of these in your website under the books section. And it's all just sitting there. So I'm not going to give you Kevin Lehman's name. We have something called Intimate Issues by Linda Dillo, which is very revealing. Is the website just called LovingYourHusband.com? LovingYourHusband.com. Yes. Com. By the way, that website is just gorgeous. I just am constantly amazed by it. But now when you go to the book section, you're looking at sheet music, intimate issues. This one's within lesson 10 when you go to it. It's an article. And it's a great article. Why My Husband Needs Sex, I think is what it might be called. Right. And then we have um, within Tommy Nelson. Is that also in 10? Yeah. OK, this one's also. Tommy Nelson is famous. And you get to do as much of that as you want to, because he's talking about the Song of Solomon. So he's a pastor. Yeah, he's a pastor of a church, but he's famous for his, his uh, teaching on sex and the Song of Solomon. He's been around for a long time, and he's very famous for it. See, once again, when we started, once again, everything about this is whether and what I choose to do with it. If I am intentional, if I want all that God wants to give me in my marriage, and I am willing to every single day, I hope you notice you can't afford to not approach this every single day and get rebooted every morning, every single morning, because otherwise it's you and not him in front of you for the day, which is a horrifying thought to me, absolutely horrifying. It forces me every morning to must have this time alone with the Lord and get myself straightened out and rebooted for the day. 